my man. What's happening? Good morning. How are you? Good morning, dude. Thank you for having me. It's uh it's an honor to be on here, man. Hey, don't give me the it's an honor. Get the fuck out of here. It's good to have you on, man. We're gonna have a good chat, and I appreciate your time for coming on. Um, yeah, you asked me you you uh you asked if I was just on live. I just went live doing doing like some zone two cardio. Wow, my hair. If you're watching this on YouTube, I just got out of the shower and I should have put a hat on. I have a hat on. We're going to throw it on in a sec, but it doesn't match my shirt, which is, I know if you're listening to audio, you're like, this guy's a clown, but you can't wear like a, a purple shirt with like a red hat. Anyway, we're going to do it anyway because nobody watches on YouTube. But if you're watching on YouTube, shout out. Appreciate you. I know who you are. Um, but cool, man. What have you been up to? How's your weekend? What are you doing? Uh, not, not too much, dude. I, uh, I laugh too when I say that, uh, cause I know how, how much you fucking hate just like people complimenting you or just like giving you any type of praise for anything. Uh, and, uh, but honestly, dude, like anyone that comes on this, on this damn show, it's like, damn, they're going to talk about something cool and I'm excited to hear it. And I hope I live up to that. Yeah. You better not fuck that well. up, man. <laughs> yeah. Facts, dude. That, that's what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, everything's good, man. We, uh, we took a little trip to SoCal this last weekend. It was like 75 degrees, escaped the cold and snow. I can't complain about anything, man. So yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to, it's nice to have some of those little escapes. I know you're in Carolina now. Do you guys, you guys' weather is fine or do you guys ever like think about doing trips before Jenna has the baby in anything or are you guys just locking down the fort? Yeah, that's a good point. I have, I, um, I don't know. I, the weather right now is gorgeous. We're like fifties and sixties, sunny. It's gorgeous, but I, my dogs like it colder and like I live vicariously through their happiness. And so, yeah. uh, it, it was like 65 and I could, it was like 65 and like not rainy, but it was like cloudy. And I could just tell that they were like, weren't, they weren't down to like, they were of course down to go out, of course. But like, it was more like, yeah, they play like crazy. They go absolutely ape shit um over by like a little lake that we have in, in the community when it's cold out but when it's not cold out they're like yeah i'm not down so i was like oh, i miss when it's cold they love it and we go hiking they are like they're absolute just maniacs and when it gets hotter they're not so i'm really not looking forward to it in the 70s and 70s plus i know that their attitude really changes but uh, it's been beautiful here for me i have no complaints um what do you what are you guys doing in socal yeah uh nothing much we just we golfed a little bit and uh does katie golf she does a little. She's nice. kind of gotten into it a little more the last couple of years. It's something we could do together. Uh, there's kind of like a, a thing in in the summer here where we live that we go out every week, play nine holes, scramble. It's like for people who don't know golf, like we don't need to get in the details, but it's like you just hit your best ball and everyone has a good time because of it. So very low expectation. But yeah, we yeah, uh, yeah we just we kind of enjoyed some good food, some good weather. Perfect for uh for me, Katie's kind of in a little mini cut kind of cut right now. I'm still like half-heartedly in a bulk phase. So there's always some uh, fun things to navigate together as we kind of travel. We were with my mom this time too. We stayed with them. They had like a uh, an extra room. So we kind of enjoyed just like mooching off of them. Like I think I'm at that age still where I can do that, where I could just like go with mom and she'll pay for fucking everything. So that's... Uh, that's a luxury that I still get to take advantage of, but yeah, we, uh, we had a good time, but now it's just kind of like back to the normal routine, you know? Cool. Nice, man. Nice. I definitely would love to, that's funny. You talk about, I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today. You, we had a couple chats in our check-in about you being in a bulk, which we're going to talk about. You're like 18 plus months into a bulk, like 30 pounds into a bulk, but also what it's like to have a, a spouse who's either not in a bulk or in a cut or you're in a cut and they're not and what that's like. So definitely want to touch on that dynamic. Do, do, do the podcast thing though. You know, the thing where like you tell people, you know, how you got into the space and why you're so passionate about that. Cause that is going to be what we're going to kick, kick things off with today is kind of your story because I find it to be, yeah, I just haven't had anyone in my life who's had a similar path. And so I really do want to dive into it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, that cliche, like what's your, what's your story? I think is really important because like for coaches, it's kind of a selling point. You can kind of relate to your uh, clients or whoever you get to work with or your followers. So I think it is important to, to say, I'm going to maybe mostly pivot into like my academic story. Cause I think that's a little bit more relevant. And I mean, at the end of the day, we all like at least guys gotten to, to lifting, like for me, it was high school, college, just wanted to, to look better naked just uh, to, and, and for me, knowing that I chose nutrition as a undergraduate degree, 
back, you know, whenever that was, it was also something that I felt like was part of my identity. So, um, all the things that came with that, of course, not knowing what I know now, going through similar things, doing kind of random workouts, uh, maybe not eating a ton, being that person there was like, Oh, I'm a hard gainer. I'll never be able to gain weight. So I'm just going to be lean my whole life. Just kind of giving me a, an excuse not to try and do some of these things intentionally. Um, but man, the academic road has been, can I pause you for one sec? Can I pause you just not to interrupt? I just to give the listener a sense of like, why? Because I want you to go deep into your, into your, I want you to start from like, from whatever your first inkling of, I might want to do this for work. And the reason yep. that I'm, the reason that I have you on, the reason why we're talking about this for the listeners is that I just feel like you've had a long road from academia and I don't, I'm not going to put MNU up on a pedestal because it, it's like, there's, it's not the only way to, to be a good practitioner outside of academia, but you did, you've done MNU and you're wearing the MNU shirt, but you're also a registered dietitian. And so you've also gone the academic route and still felt like, hey, I want to do MNU. And so again, I don't want to put MNU on a, on a pedestal, but I want that to be representative of like, oh, you went this academic route. You became a fucking registered dietitian. It's like the pinnacle of this, of working with people on nutrition, but then still felt like maybe so, somewhat unfulfilled. I don't want to put words in your mouth. And so that kind of arc of, I went to the, the academic route, but felt unfulfilled in some ways. I, I'm, I want to poke around at that. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I just want the listener to know that's kind of where we're headed. So go give me like the, all the way back. Like you said, just wanted to get Jack and, and get some, some yeah. uh, sexual partners, you know, whatever weird yeah, like, exactly. 13 to 18 year old people are into. Yeah. But um, yeah, so, so, so just kick things off. You, you know, you can't start too early. Just, just do your thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like all the way back to high school, I say all the way back. I was only like 10 years ago, but, uh, just being, uh, just being always in sports, always playing something, just three, four sports a year, just kind of just doing the normal kid thing where you're just exploring everything, seeing what sticks. I wasn't really good enough at like anything in particular to make that a passion in college or pursue anything further. Um, that's what intramurals are for. That's what city league is for. And we still get to kind of fuck around with that and, and have fun in some of those leagues now, but getting to college, I had always had this background of like, Hey, I like, I like playing things. I like, you know, moving my body. I like getting strong. I like the way I look. Uh, and, and, and I didn't know that nutrition even was a degree going into college. I was kind of undecided for a year, year and a half before I actually took an intro to nutrition course and was like, oh yeah, this is probably the thing that's going to stick for me. Um, and, and it wasn't until I started to like get immersed into kind of the, I would say the science behind things, but like actually in a, a kind of a university setting that you sit here and you're like, okay, I have these five classes every semester related to nutrition and different you know, topics of nutrition and how that relates to one another. And, you know, three years go by, I get my nutrition degree in uh, dietetics. There's a couple different, some people do the pre-med route with nutrition and they do the, uh, there's like a little more biochem, ochem, some upper level, like biology classes that you have to take. We, we didn't have to, to you know, do the most, uh, we kind of had, a um, some of the intro OCHEM classes, biochem classes, whatever, but we didn't have to take the upper level ones, which thank God, that's probably where my, uh, uh, capacity to kind of learn and comprehend that stuff uh, at that age, at least would have stopped. Um, so yeah, it was good, but to, to become a registered dietitian, you have to get your bachelor's degree in nutrition, and then you have to execute a, a postgraduate dietetic internship, which fancy way of saying like, you have to work for free for seven to 12 months through university. It's kind of a selection process application, similar to like, you know, maybe somebody going to law school or somebody going to med school, maybe uh, not the exact same, but Hey, there's like a selection criteria, only five to seven people got into the program that I got into, but I spent seven, eight months doing that. Um, mind you, when I say nutrition, when I talk about all these things, man, at the end of the day, like looking back now, we're not, we're not always talking about like calories necessarily. We're not always talking about even like, uh, like weight is brought up, but man, you learn the science of like, you know, you talk about inflammation and you talk about diabetes and all these disease processes and how to manage disease. Like that's, and again, people definitely have different experiences, but at least the, the, the school that I went to the way that like we were funneled through their system, it was very geared towards like, you'll be working in a hospital one day, you will working, be working in like an acute kind of like critical care setting. You'll be working in dialysis. You'll be working at skilled nursing homes. Maybe there's some public policy stuff that you could veer into, but there's a finite amount of like, uh, uh, jobs that they kind of set you up for to, uh, you know, and again, it's 
it's cool knowing that you kind of have a job and that you're kind of like meeting the minimum criteria to like jump into some of these kind of like bigger jobs, I guess you could say. But, um, for me, I, I, I definitely did that like per diem at the hospital, a couple hospitals for the year was all around our little city at uh, nursing homes. Um, got a full-time gig at dialysis for a couple of years. That kind of led me into that next stage. Um, and for people who don't know dialysis, like people who have kidney disease, chronic kidney failure, people doing home treatments, in-center treatments, they come and they essentially clean your blood for you. And then you leave and then you come back a couple of days later. It's really fucking sad. Um, and for me, it was just depressing as shit. And uh, not to mention when COVID hit 2020, 2021, like my job description felt like it changed a little bit. Like I was screening people. Um, I was like the youngest person on staff. So I would be asked to do some of the things that like, you know, took away from my immediate duties to, to the clients. It just kind of turned into something that I, um, I didn't really love. And, and throughout that process going through school, man, you know, this, uh, whole emphasis on tertiary prevention, which is really important, honestly, like, like there's a reason that these schools and these internships, like they set you up for that. Cause like there's really important jobs. Like when you're out there and you're learning how to do tube feeds or, you know, um, like IV nutrition in the hospital for somebody who's on a ventilator, like that's really serious shit. And there's a place for that. Um, not to mention people have surgeries and whatever a wound care, there's cancer clinics. There's not a ton of outpatient clinics, which is what I was curious about what I wanted to get into, but man, there's just only a finite amount of things that you could do with the degree itself. And when I wanted to start my own coaching thing, I was kind of just working with people on the side at some level for free to people within the company I worked with people on, on the side that were reaching out to me. And that's what clicked for me. I was like, damn, I could probably do this full time or I could at least start something where I can go home and work at night or work on the weekends and like make an extra source of income because they don't really pay you fucking anything. Um, we're talking like, you know, 50 to $70,000 a year. And I say don't pay you anything, but just compared to how much money you pay for school, how much like, luckily I wasn't that person that you have to take out a bunch of loans and cost like, man, people, I know dietitians that spend 10, 20 years paying off their, their debt and doing work that maybe isn't super fulfilling for them. I can't speak for everybody, but at least that was my experience. So can I, can I poke around yeah. really quick about, yeah. can I just poke around at, at, so you're working at dialysis and you were doing that when we met, right? You were still there yep. and, um, you obviously something is pulling you towards, do, you know, starting your own coaching business, whether that is online or in person or so something's pulling you out of that. Um, what's pulling you out of that? What about coaching was like, Hey, that feels like I want to put more of my emphasis there. And, and I, you won't sound like a, like a greedy bastard. If you're like, Hey, I can make way more money this way. You know, th th let's be real. Like you make decisions on your, on your, on a professional level for only two reasons to either make more money or to have better quality of life. Those are only you, sometimes we're okay trading away quality of life for more money. And sometimes you're away, you're okay trading away some money for some quality of life, but that's basically the only two decisions you're making. And they're, they're both totally valid reasons. There's no, like we're in the, we're in the trust tree here. There's no like, Hey, I could make more money. That's, that's a totally valid reason. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, exactly. I got to say it was, it was probably a combination of both, like a, a quality of life and like how fulfilled and how excited I get to show up, to talk to people, to work with people. And then also the financial compensation side of things, mind you, like the job that I took, like for some people would be a dream job at some level. Like, like I remember going to orientation at this dialysis clinic and they're like, oh, once people come to dialysis, they never do anything different or they never, you know, change career paths after that. Like they're here to stay. I remember thinking like, you know, you kind of sip the tea, at least when you're kind of in the, uh, you know, it was more of a corporate setting for sure. Uh, you're around a lot of other, other, uh, um, interdis interdisciplinary members, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, the year, year and a half, I was into that. And then COVID hit, it was just like, uh, man, it wasn't what I thought it would, was cracked up to be from the standpoint of like the people who I was working with, most of them didn't give a fuck. The people who did were great to work with, but the people who didn't, it's just a sad story. And, and for me, like, I'm kind of an empath. Like I, I kind of, I can kind of see the emotion. I, I, I somewhat try and like, uh, and, and this is what kind of tainted me sometimes too, of like, like I kind of ended up having a finite amount of capacity for how much like empathy I could give when I was at this job, because I was just around so much shit, homeless people, again, dialysis for people who don't know, like the, the number one cause of kidney disease or top two or like <laughs> high blood pressure and diabetes, right? Things that really can be prevented at some level. And here I am just like working with people who are 
had the thing done to them and they had this quality of life that was pretty suboptimal. And, and, and you could just kind of see it in their face, people just living day by day, some people using dialysis as an excuse to just do the things that they were doing before. And this was just a life-saving treatment that they would do going forward. And it was just like, it was just a sad scene. And the thing that was like kind of the impetus for me, it was like, Hey, people work in this field that don't want to get to this point. Like, what do they need to do now that is going to make a difference? So they have a greater likelihood of them being happier, healthier, don't need some of these medications, these treatments as they continue to get older. And that's kind of the thing that clicked for me where it's like, I'd, I'd rather dip my, my foot into the more of the primary prevention world. Um, regardless if I made more money, of course, like I had, I've done a ton of business mentorship, like including coaching with yourself as well, more on the fitness side of things, but man, like you get fed a lot of information, a lot of things like people pointing you in different directions and getting you to think a little bit uh, differently. And at the time I was like, I can make more money and I could be happier. So it was like, damn, that was the thing that definitely like flipped that switch for me where I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to give this a shot. And it got to a point where yeah, I had a, I had like a, a half a roster and I was working and I was also doing my master's at the time. I haven't really gotten to that point yet, but I got my master's in sports nutrition, um, during the pandemic as well. Um, and it was just something had to give and it was like, damn, the job with the income is probably the thing that's going to go. Cause my situation <clears throat> allowed me to kind of just take that in a different direction. I'm very grateful for that, but yeah, it was kind of a combination of both, man. Like the working with people kind of checked a couple boxes that the other job wasn't working. And yeah, there was just a point where that had to switch. So do you feel like, so my brother went to nursing school and uh, wanted to be a nurse, mega smart. My brother's fucking brilliant, super duper smart. Um, and at some point it, it went off the books and into the, into the hospital, right? It, was, it wasn't classroom. It was, you know, doing your rounds and, and working with people, with patients and what ultimately led him to not do that anymore, to, to quit, was that it you are working with a population who by definition does not want to be there. And so even if it's a little thing, a big, like every person that you come in contact to is, is hates being where they currently are. So the on average, I'm not, I'm not trying to paint a super dark cloud, but the, these are like, it, weigh, it can weigh you down. Of on average, each person is here, doesn't want to be here, isn't doing something they want to do, wants to get out as soon as possible. I have a couple of my best friends are nurses um, and they tell me about this, that it weighs on them emotionally. And, and if you're working healthcare, even Jenna, I mean, come on, like they, they this is going to be ringing true. Were you finding that was fatiguing at all? And do you find it different working with people, the kind of clientele you work with now? Yeah, I do. And I, uh, I could see that within the, like, you know, the nurses that I worked with, the assistants, uh, the front desk workers, the social workers, man, you can kind of see, and, and maybe, maybe it's just my experience. I know there's people out there that have different experiences that have great team members that have a really good company that kind of has their back. Like there's a very typical, like, Hey, we're on a sinking ship right now. Like that also weighed into my decision where it's like, I don't really want to be in a position where I'm constantly being micromanaged in, in a, in a setting where like, there's a lot of things happening within the clinic that I feel like I don't have a ton of control over that. And again, I'm pointing blame, but like not, None of it was really my fault. I just happened to be on the ship at the same time. And um, taking that into account, of course, like you have the the people who are kind of forced on you. They have Medicaid, they have Medicare. Some of them don't have insurance at all that the company just kind of eats at some level. And then you have the people with insurance that get 10x the amount of compensation for their treatments. Um, and it was just a fucked up game, dude. Like, like, like when you're in this setting and you're like being told like, hey, like, this person has insurance. They're, you know, looking for donor stuff. Like we're getting like the clinic runs off of three or four people at some level who have insurance that like support and keep everyone else afloat. It's, it's crazy. And that's just kind of the reality that we live in. So seeing the backside of the insurance game, um, how the healthcare systems work, uh, being in the hospital. Yeah. Like you're, you know, um, you know, the nurse in your life, we all have nurses in our lives, man. Like there's not a lot of nurses to me, at least. And I know a ton of them because I went to school with them that are like, yeah, I can't wait to make this a career forever. I can't wait to do night shifts for the rest of my life. Like that's just not something that most people say, or at least that I've, I've come in contact with. And I just, I found myself thinking like that too. I was like, damn, man, 
getting to a place where you can actually have people reach out to you where they want to work with you and they are understanding that like you are going to help them get to where they want to be. It's just a lot better sell for me, even though I have to sell myself, I have to show up on Instagram. I have to like, you know, continue to, to, um, uh, give my clients a good experience. But to me, that was worth it. It's the harder route, but it, it definitely weighed on me where I was like, this could just improve the quality of my life. Cause the people that I work with, like they actually want to be here. And that's true at some level, not every client works out like that, right? Like you get somebody super motivated and then within two months or less, like, ah, I'm not showing up. I'm not calling, losing communication. Maybe you're reaching out and you can just kind of tell where it's like, Hey, mate, this isn't the best time. Or maybe you were in a good spot, but now fucking life slap you in the face. And maybe this is something that you should reconsider down the road, but I just, I can't keep taking your money or this isn't something that's going to actually work, work out for us. So there's for, for every, you know, five great clients that you love to work with, man, there's probably at least for me, two to three, where you're just like, okay, this maybe didn't work out. I didn't get you to a place where we thought we could get to. And it's not my fault. It's not your fault. It's collectively where like, Hey, maybe this just wasn't the best time for us to, to meet or to do this. But yeah, the, the good clients, the people that stick with you for months, years, like I have somebody that's been with me for three plus years now, since I opened my doors and it's fucking amazing, but it's kind of like you and me, dude, like I'll probably never get rid of you, but, uh, it's, uh, it's just kind of fun to, it's just kind of fun to, to know that you're more in control of that instead of just like, okay, who's, who's the new patient here? What's he going to be like? What, you know, what's his history? What's the story? How much am I going to have to do for him? And not maybe, and not, not, not that I was doing it for myself and getting external validation for those reasons, but man, like when you put all this work into something and you don't feel like it's being reciprocated at some level from somebody else, like that shit wears on you too. And I know a lot of healthcare workers can kind of get into that mode too. I want to talk, I want to get to the point of you taking a menu and why you did that and what gaps you felt you were trying to fill. I want to get to that. And I also want to get to like maybe some we'll call, uh, side quests that you did, we'll call them, you know, like some, just like, the, like, like just fucking tributaries that you went down, you know, um, in a bit, in a second. I want to make sure we have time for that. We have a, you know, we still have a half hour, but I want to, I want to say something I, and I'll phrase it this way. There, you're an, a registered dietitian. I am not. You are more, way more educated than me. And this isn't a comparison between me and you, you at all. But I think it, it'll, it's a decent um, kind of preamble for this question, which is there, w there are some people, and I'm not. Uh, I won't even share my opinion on this. There are going to be some people, some registered dietitians, who will say, "Hey, leave it to the RDs, man. Leave this nutrition stuff to the registered dietitians. All these coaches, nutritionists need to stop giving advice." And we're, I would love to ask you on a scale of strongly agree to agree to meh to disagree to strongly disagree. Where are you on that spectrum with a statement like that, yourself being an RD? And maybe let's throw a, lot, a little bit of added context as to why that might be your answer. Yeah, and that's a great question. I actually had that written down as something that I wanted to bring up is like this little mini war between like health coaches and in and like even influencers in the space and then there's dietitians and then there's dog like there's so many people everybody knows who's following people on social media like there's just a plethora of people with different credentials with different um things that they're advertising and then using that as like uh kind of justification where hey i'm going to post content and i i i can speak to different topics and the dietitians i would say are um man how do i say this politely man they uh they got the biggest sticks up their ass at some level. And I, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't maybe do that at one point, because there's this sense of pride where it's like, Hey, you know, I've, I've gone through the seven years or more of schooling for certain things. Um, I have a credential behind my name, you know, all these things. And it's like, I should be the only one talking about these things where to answer your question, I would say, man, I kind of disagree with the sense that dietitians are the only people that can only give information and be these people who are present online. Now, there's just kind of this little mini war though that I've seen at least. Um, and I think there's dietitians and then I think some people classify everybody else as a health coach, whether you've done MNU, whether you've done, uh, maybe you have your PhD or you have a master's in nutrition or you, you know, you've gone some academic route, but then you also have a practice or you work with somebody um, versus the Flav Cities or the Paul Saladinos or, you know, the, the really big people in the space that are the people talk about single ingredients, people promoting blood glucose monitors. Like, like I think some people, I see your face just gagging. I hate saying about it too, but like, 
like some dietitians sit here and think Jordan Lips is like in a bucket of the same other people because he didn't get a dietitian uh, degree or he didn't uh, get his credentials and didn't go through that route. And I think that's kind of bullshit. And to be honest, you know, when I got into the space, maybe I had that perception, but when you actually start working with human beings, when you actually start getting into the space of coaching, it's very different, at least for me, than what you learn in school and what you learn in your internship and what you do in a clinical setting. It's not the fucking same. And for me, like, that's where I was like, even with you, I was like, damn, there's somebody who's a coach who I respect a lot, who, you know, talks about things in a way that I resonate with. Like, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to, you know, uh, learn from you and so, at some level and kind of like have an extra set of eyes on what I'm doing because not, I could admit that I'm not the person that knows everything either, but man, you have somebody that knows about tube feeding. You have somebody that knows about, Hey, you had a heart attack. This is what we should be doing. Like you have cancer. Here's some recommendations, what we should be doing for this, man. It's very different than, than Susie coming in saying like, I want to lose 10 pounds and I want to look better, you know, in a swimsuit this summer, I want to get better for my wedding, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it's, there's, those are two very different humans. And I find personally that I wasn't really equipped, believe it or not, to work with the people who are like generally healthy, who weren't in a place where they were really sick, like the brain and, and or sorry, the way that my brain worked at the time was very clinical. It was very like textbook in a way. And a lot of times dietitians can get into this mindset where it's like, Hey, that's what I'm thinking about everything all the time. And that really doesn't serve people super well. Um, but again, you compare that to people walking around in grocery stores, talking shit about all these certain things. Like, of course, we're going to think that they're not qualified. There's no governing body to like regulate them and the messages that they save. And there's no repercussions for any harm that they do. Cause we're on the other side where it's like, Oh, we deal with the people who have eating disorders because of these motherfuckers. Right. Or we see things where, uh, the advice that other people are getting is actually doing more harm. And that's where like me in the middle, I would, I would maybe relate myself more to you as a health coach, as a hypertrophy coach, more than I would identify as like a true dietitian right now. Um, and again, speaking from experience, I just think that dietitians, they have this like kind of um, mindset. Any dietitian listening to this, like I have the most love for our profession and what we do. Um, but I just, for me, I had to pivot and start to think differently to better serve the people that I was working with and, and get to a place where I didn't feel like I was just so textbook with everything all the time. Cause nothing about this is just super textbook. And that's, that's kind of this whole thing where people just kind of think in black and white. And, and for us, we got to live somewhere in the middle. So I don't know if that answered your question, but man, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people out there. Like if you have, you know, some type of chronic disease and all the, like, you're going to be wanting to get your, your help from a dietitian, like somebody who isn't licensed, who hasn't experienced that, like they probably can't speak to that, but people are acting as if they can do that. And that's where the functional medicine stuff can kind of get scary. Um, but man, if you're working, you're looking to get into the gym, you want to build more confidence. You want to get stronger. You want to like like minimum, you know, become more of a minimalist with your training, with your nutrition, man, someone like Jordan, even someone like myself, like that's probably better than somebody who's been working in a hospital for 10 years and that's all they know how to do, you know? So it, it all depends of course, but that's kind of my stance on it. I, I, I disagree with the fact that like only dietitians should be giving health advice because that's just not the world that we live in. It's not going to go away. Yeah. I mean, I agree that that statement is a, is, um, it's a, Technically, it's like a bit of an appeal to authority fa fallacy where it's, you know, well, there's, listen, in my eyes, there's good information and bad information. There's true information and not true information. There's people who have experience working with your issues and there's people who don't. The likelihood that somebody with no credentials has really good, really reputable information is lower than the likelihood that somebody with a lot of credentials is that they have really good information. And so I think on average, I think that that's a fine thing to say, but, you know, it's it's like um you know Bobby is a you know, Flav City my old Bobby uh, my old hashtag Bobby approved boy like I actually have less of a problem with him talking about nutrition with no qualifications I have way more of a problem with the fact that the information is just not correct like if the information that you're putting out is good like I'm not necessarily so worried about the acronyms after your name and it, it just is it is the you know, it just, it kind of like, it tracks, like it, it, it flows with the logic of you're talking nonsense and you don't have credentials. That to me is like, now you're like a double whammy. Like, and, and it's funny. So you could like plot this on a chart of like, it's like a, a box chart of like two things. And on the X axis is like how much the credentials do you have on the Y axis is like how accurate your information is. And like having no credentials and talking smack in some ways is less bad than having a lot of credentials and talking a lot of smack. Actually, that's usually more problematic. 
where like you have Dr. Lustig or Dr. Gundry or what, you know, these are like more problematic because of the doctor in front of their name. And so just based on an, uh, an appeal to authority that is lives within most of us most of the time. And, and frankly, I'm not even here to argue that. I think the average person like isn't at fault for just more highly ranking somebody with credentials over somebody who doesn't. But me personally, I don't have an issue if your information is, I, I care more about what your information is. And if you, if you're a client, you should care about the information that someone's giving, not the credentials. Uh, the credentials gives you a clue as to on average what to maybe expect. But man, in today's age, I, I've seen the whole gamut enough that I'm uh, I'm that I'm skeptical beyond the acronyms. And, and I'm not saying skeptical of the acronyms. It's just not as meaningful to me as what's coming out of your mouth. But more than that, as I would look, like you said, it's like, hey, if I have a serious health condition, I have really got to get my blood pressure in check, really got to get my cholesterol check. You know, I am pre-diabetic. I am diabetic. Like work with somebody who has worked with those people. Maybe that's an RD. And I think the more we go on the clinical side of things, the more likely I'd be inclined to go towards the RD slash I would put people who have done MNU not in the same category as RDs. I think that there is stuff that only RDs can do and only things that RDs should do. But I would put MNU in the, I'd put like the weekend macro course on one end of the spectrum. I'd put RD on the other end of the spectrum and I'd put MNU closer to that side of things um, as far as like, hey, I have a serious condition. I need to work with somebody who's really put in time and effort and knows the textbook stuff. Right. I mean, knows the behavior change, knows the psychology, knows the business side, but also knows the textbook stuff really in and out and has worked with people in my position. So, all right, cool. I want to um, pivot a smidge just to the fact that you did MNU and you are someone with your master's in sports nutrition, your registered dietitian, and you still felt, and I know on some level you're a serial learner. And so it wasn't even like, man, I haven't learned anything. I need to do MNU. But I'd be curious just if you could speak to like, what was the motivating factor to doing that? We've had Martin on the podcast. I'll, I'll link that in the description if you're curious a little bit more about what MNU is. But um, So maybe you could talk to a little bit about why you did that. And I, I, I'm hesitant to compound this question more. I do want to hear a bit about some of these side quests that you've done as well. Um, so let's start with the MNU thing. And if we have time for side quests, we'll go after. Yeah, for sure. I'll, um, I'll organize it in a way that gets to MNU and the justification for why I actually came to that decision to why I want to start. Cause I haven't finished it yet. I'm four, four months into it. I'm knee deep into the course. Things are going really well, but it was kind of a, uh, it was kind of a path to get to that point where I was curious about it, but I didn't have any intention doing it at one point. Um, but I think in general, even just speaking to the kind of last closing statement you made about that, the last topic we were talking about, man, like people with credentials, man, they can get sucked into the BS out there as well. And again, I got to sit here and say that I was one of those people for better or worse. Right. And, uh, there's just so many ways to think about nutrition. There's so many ways to present, you know, what you're talking about, how you're talking about things, what you think is important, what you think is a big rock. And I even have colleagues now where it's just like, uh, all hormones, all gut, all like reverse dieting, you know, very similar to other health coaches in the space too. But um, things that you see were just like, damn, yep, they got, they got sucked in, or maybe they weren't able to, um, <laughs> they weren't able to appreciate like how this fits into the grand scheme of things. And, 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 and again, not to say that they're never going to get there, not to say that they're not doing good work with certain people, but at least for me, I just see a difference in like how people approach working with one another. And for me, it was like this, yeah, this constant quest of like, yeah, I want to, learn a little bit more. I want to see what else is out there. And that's kind of what like in that, in addition to following other dietitians, um, also being in a mastermind group, you're exposed to so many different ways to doing some of these things. The group that I was in, there was just a way different amount of, uh, people doing different things than I was doing, um, different things in the sense that they're running all the tests, they're selling these things. Um, they're kind of going into the functional world a little bit more. And that's what sparked my curiosity of like, is like, am I missing something? Right. Like is, is, you know, Western, uh, culture just always only trying to make us sick and our doctors trying to make us sick or are they only treating symptoms? You know, you kind of get sucked into the kind of that ideology. And for me, there was other dietitians, other people in that space that like, 
um, I, I shouted and not shadowed them. Like we're all virtual here, but I like kind of got a glimpse of what they were doing, what they were offering, how they were selling packages, how they were doing certain things and things that came up were different stool tests, um, different hormone testing, whether it's like the Dutch test or doing like labs, even like fucking hair testing, HTMA testing. There's all these things. Um, and again, like the comparison game is something that I've, I've played at a lot of levels with business, with my fitness, my health, my nutrition, but the business thing, it's hard not to do that sometimes. And for me, I was comparing myself to people making like a ton of money, selling these things, working with different people that I was doing. And I wasn't at that level at the time. And I'm still not at that level. Um, but just like thinking like, damn, maybe this is a whole world of nutrition that I could get into that I could start becoming. And then that's when I started doing a a few different things. I took a leveraging labs certification, um, long story short, it's a dietitian certification run thing. I respect the lady a lot, but she teaches you all about the tests, how to interpret them, the protocols that go along with them. Um, again, just kind of sipping the tea, offering those things, diving into those things with myself, right? Like doing the food allergy tests. Like there was a nine month stretch where I went gluten-free, you know, we've kind of talked about that. We've obviously been through that together. Cause that was when we were working with one another. Um, this whole time though, I'll be honest, I was doing these things with the intention of maybe somewhat proving my bias correct, going in with the intention that like, hey, these things maybe aren't as important. And I just wanted, I want to learn from the other side in order to maybe make more informed decisions for myself and my practice. And if I think something is really helping people, like maybe that's something that I'll keep. Um, But man, these were just really expensive ways for me from my time, my finances, um, even doing them with certain clients who were, you know, early on in that process. And it was just like a, 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 man, a really hard learning lesson for me that I'm grateful for where I'm just like, yeah, I did the GI maps. I did the vibrant America shit. I did the micronutrient test. Hell, I think if you go to my website right now, you could still, you could still see some of those packages that you could buy, but those are I'm the going things there that right I have in the last year. Yeah. Don't you think go, I'm not going, going don't, I'm like link in bio. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. There's, ahead, there's yeah, the yeah. micronutrient testing. There's the Dutch testing. There's a the GI map. The GI map is uh, it's a stool test for people out there. Um, from what we know, it's just, it just doesn't really tell us a whole lot is really what I'm getting at. It can tell us some things and there are things that, you know, maybe we have some uh, power to kind of, uh, to do. Oh God, what is this? <laughs> it's Luke Jeez, Smith, uh, MD. Luke, sorry. That's MD. Yeah, that's not me. I was like, that's, that's not you. Me. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, shit. But anyway, yeah, just kind of going through this process of like, yeah, I'm really, I'm really seeing what the other side is talking about. Cause that's a whole world right now where gut health is everything, right? The gut brain connection, gut is the root cause of all your inflammation. You need to um, fix your microbiome. You have overgrowth with everything. And like, not to say, not to discredit those things, those things do happen. Um, but we have to realize that like, at least for me, the majority of the people that I work with, the majority of the population is not does not need that to tell them what they need to change, right? Most people are going to benefit from doing the things that we know are going to be health-seeking behaviors that are going to actually lead to long-lasting change and success. And kind of like the hormones, the metabolism, the the guts, like those will be side effects of you cleaning up all the other shit that we know we need to be doing. And so for me, just going through that, doing like a year, year and a half of my own self-experiment, doing it with a, a handful of clients, it gave me enough information to realize that like, Hey, this is not a world that I want to dip my toes into. It's not something that I want to be here to stay in. So I kind of like parked my car there, but now I'm back in the car and MNU was the thing where I was like, damn, this is, this is a thing that makes sense because I know you've spoken, uh, you know, you've spoke highly of it in the past. And it was something where I was just curious about how can I continue to be a better coach? Cause all these things have been done with me at some level, just like trying to do a little bit better for my clients, do better for myself, be in this game longer and help the most amount of people that I can. And MNU is the next step where it was like, yeah, everything that I'm seeing, everything that I'm reading, it kind of goes, um, it goes over. Like we've talked about all these different diet fads and all these different things. And like, they just tie up things really well, things that I didn't necessarily learn even in my schooling either. Um, talking about like calories and overconsumption of calories and how energy balance is a really important part of this equation that, you know, whether people 
debunk it or quote unquote debunk it or talk shit about it or really acknowledge it. Like that's where the conversation starts with a lot of people who are looking to lose weight or to get healthier or, um, and again, not saying that you have to be lean to do this, but just understanding that like what we eat, how much we eat, uh, what nutrients are in the foods that we eat, excuse me, are all things that really have to go into this equation. And man, some people, when they're doing these tests, when they're doing all these things and selling people on it, they, I think they're more of a distraction. And I found that that was, um, something that I was able to learn firsthand and now be better able to speak on those things, um, and, and help them actually get to a place where they're arriving at a destination quicker than going the route of spending thousands of dollars with somebody only to be left maybe in the same place or not actually feel like they know how to do the shit forever kind of thing. So yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, MNU is really a byproduct of me doing all the other shit and then realizing that like, hey, you know, this could be a really good refresher. A lot of it has been the research stuff, like, you know, how to read papers, like if the whole module one was what I learned in school in my master's program. But now getting into the real world, real world application of it, it's uh, it's been a breath of fresh air and it's been something that, man, I, I'm biased, but I think everybody should do it with some level if they're trying to be a, a health coach, because it really does do a good job, like getting people up to speed with what they need to know and how they, how they can actually start to work with clients instead of kind of, you know, I keep saying sip the tea, but man, there's a lot of people doing it out there with uh, a lot of these other ways to like approach your health and wellness. So yeah, sorry for that word vomit, but that's kind of how I came to that spot at least. Word vomit's what we're all about, man. We're, um, yeah there's people listening that want to get into this uh, and you've done it all, right? You've done, you've gone, you went, you know, all the way in on the academic side, popped out a little bit, went to the more, I don't even know what I would put MNU in. Let's call it like a non-traditional school school. Um, you know, anyone can join MNU. It's a year long course. It's a very intense course. If you're, um, assuming it's going to be something very easy. It's not. The, the final exam is challenging. It's um, it's meaningful. It's a year long. It covers a lot of stuff. My point is, if someone's listening, are you saying, you know what? Don't go the academic route. Just go do something like MNU or precision nutrition. I, I put precision nutrition in that bucket as well. I have my takes on why I would prefer MNU, obviously biased, but there are some things that I, I've shared on the podcast before, but, but let's put precision nutrition into the bucket of like, you'll come out of that with some good knowledge on uh, clinically, how to help people, behaviorally, how to help people, business-wise, how to help people, how to, how to grow and continue to, to, to learn more. Are you, what's your, you know, you have someone who comes to you and say, hey, Luke, I, you know, uh, you've done it all, man. What should I do? I'm, I'm 17. I, I have the opportunity to go into kinesiology and whatever. Kinesiology is slightly different into the more movement side of things. But again, you could even, you could even say, should I go the kinesiology route or should I go take all the N1 courses and go to the N1 practicals and learn from like practical people in the, in, you know, in the trenches, you know, like, um, but the same question from a nutrition standpoint, you have a 17 year old says, I want to get into this. What should I do? Yeah. And the 17 year old is, is a tough person to talk to because so much can change. Like even for myself, like what I thought I wanted to do and why I got into this has changed so drastically. So it is a difficult conversation to have with anybody at any age, even, even the 30 year old looking to go back to school and maybe is like finding their, their drive to like work with people and be a health coach at some level. Um, all of them are different conversations, but man, when it comes to like the academic world, we have to acknowledge that there is a, um, a higher price tag for that, for something that if you do not use, it might feel like a waste of time. Um, and for me, I don't feel like that was it. I think it has helped me get to the place that I'm at now. So I'm very grateful for that. But man, if somebody's a 17 year old and they're thinking like, Hey, like I want to, I, I want to, I'm fit. I love doing these things. Like, like, those are usually the people that you see on TikTok and Instagram. They're doing the like, do this core movement video. And I've never worked with anyone in my life. And this is something that, you know, everybody should be doing. Like we just, people don't think their shit stinks at that age. I didn't either. So I can't, I, I can't sit here and laugh at them. Um, but doing the MNU is like an introduction into like, Hey, the world of nutrition, nobody really gets a formal education when it comes to nutrition. Like what we know about nutrition, everybody here usually comes from our parents, our own quote unquote, personal research and our own experience of like what we've done growing up and even getting into our, our, you know, teenage adult years and so forth. Um, but MNU is one of those things where I would say it's accessible. And the fact that like, you know, you could pay three to five grand. I don't know how much it is. I was a dietitian. I had a really big discount fee for just having that credential going into it, which was great. 
Um, but man, you're looking at three to four thousand dollars um, for a year long, really intense. And I say really intense, like it's bearable. You can work, you can do everything else you want to do. It's like, you know, eight to 12 hours a week, probably of work. Um, but you will learn most things you would ever need to know to work with human beings in that course compared to going and doing your undergrad or going and following through with a four-year degree or getting your master's or getting your PhD. So the question I would ask that person is like, like, what do you want to get out of it? Like, where do you see yourself? Like, if you want to go down the research world, like, of course, going into a college setting, working with professors, doing the research, right? Like there's a lot of people that love that, right? And there's a lot of people that love the clinical setting. Like you can't necessarily do dietitian work, um, it, you know, in that setting without those credentials and MNU is not really going to be a replacement for it, at least in the U S I think with, in the UK, there's some like things that MNU certified nutritionists can do because of that credential now, which is really cool, but in the U S it's not the same. So, um, for most people, yeah, the precise nutrition one, I definitely looked into that as well. I think, uh, I think their philosophy is very different, right? It's not, uh, focusing everything on calories. And again, it's just an approach. It's a method that they use. It's something that's worked well for a lot of people, but I just found that MNU is in a class of its own. And for most people, I would start there, honestly, instead of like, you know, depending where you go to school, you could be spending anywhere from 20 to $60,000 over six years compared to, Hey, let's see if I love this. If nutrition is going to be the thing that I want to do, spend the three or whatever it is and actually like, see if that's what you want to do. Cause man, just like the nurses out there. Like, I just know a lot of them where it's like, yeah, I've been a nurse for five years. How the fuck can I get out of this? I'm going to go to, you know, nurse, be a nurse practitioner. I'm going to do whatever it is um, different. Cause I just can't be a nurse anymore. And like getting to that point sucks and dietitians feel the same fucking way, dude. So it's, um, it's not this like green grass area that everybody's going to love that you're going to, you know, just fall in love with. It's, uh, there's just trade-offs when it comes to it and, and what you want to do should really drive that decision. So I can't really give an answer to that, but you kind of get where I'm getting at here. It's like, what do you want to get out of it? And then let that drive that decision for you. Cause there's, there's, there's pros and cons to both sides of them really. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. Yep. I think even if you are someone who's like, Oh, I'm not sure. I, I feel pretty passionate. I want to go the academic route and keep that door open. I would normally recommend also trying to start putting out content on social media, start taking some online clients, take some gen pop clients, get your feet wet with both things. I think that there's a Jordan Syatt made his, you know, his start uh, just randomly coaching people online while he was, you know, the coach for the powerlifting team at, at Delaware or whatever. And so just saying, Hey, I'm going, you know, Jordan was also with like in that kinesiology space. And so going the academic route is fine, but I also, it's great by the way, not just fine, it's great. But I think also saying, you know what, what can I do in the meantime to expose myself to some real world situations? Cool. I want to be respectful of your time. I want to talk quickly. We've got five minutes here. I got to go at five minutes of the hour. Um, you've been bulking. We've been bulking together. You, oh, not me, but you've been bulking under my supervision, um, uh, you know, for the last 18 months. Talk to me about, g give people some some insight as to how much weight you've gained over what period of time and maybe any any words of wisdom or just, I don't know, when you reflect back on those 18 months, what do you think? What do you feel? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot of, a lot of inputs. I want to keep it short though. Um, bulking was something that's always scared the shit out of me. I'm always somebody that's been naturally lean. Genetically, I've been very gifted. Uh, I don't get hungry. Eating more is hard for me. I'm an anomaly. I just, uh, I'm very different from a lot of people around me. And for me, deciding to go into a bulk, wanting to do this stemmed from, I want to do something that isn't very easy for me to do, right. And learn that process similar to all the other education and all the certs and the N1, like all these things have, stemmed from like, Hey, I feel like I don't know enough about this. So I want to immerse myself into it and, and, and just see what my experience is like through it. The bulking man, I think, yeah, it's been 18, 19 months or so. I started at the end of my cut almost. It was about two years ago. Uh, I think the lowest weight I saw was 159 or 158, which is fucking crazy. Um, you know, when I started my bulk, I was probably in the low 160 numbers. I'm seeing 193, 194 on the scale a little bit more consistently right now, which has been awesome. Um, I can't tell you off the top of my head what the percentage like per month breakdown that might be, but it's pretty spot on to what I really wanted to do in the beginning was like, hey, half half a percent, um, maybe a percent some months over the span of the year to year and a half that I was doing. Um, and getting to that place has been, it's been wild. And I'm now in a spot where it's like, you know, the, the side of me where I'm like, I want to cut again. That's what's comfortable. It's going to be really easy. And again, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying this is an easy process, but for me living it 
having everything on my side, going through all these things, cutting is something that's very easy for me to do. And I could probably lose a significant amount of weight in the short term. But now my mindset's like, hey, can I gain tain for a little bit longer? And maybe this next cut, maybe I go into a small surplus and just see if I can approach things differently instead of doing the more drastic cut where I'm cutting four or 500, 600 calories off of my maintenance. So um, long story short, man, it's been it's been fun. It's been a, a good learning process for me, but I'm uncomfortable as shit and uh, I'm getting blood work done this week. So that could be a topic for us to have another time. But I'm curious to see what internally, you know, what's going on. How can I uh, how can I um, uh, see what's happened on the inside compared to the outside? Because I've loved to see the changes of external you know, uh, how much muscle I've built, everything else that's gone along with it. If you had to guess, but, uh, if you had to guess based on how you feel, because yeah. I want to get you on the record here and then when we get you, get you back. Um, do you, do you feel externally yeah. better, uh, worse, same? And, and do you have a guess at, at, at any of that blood work stuff? Totally. I feel better. Like I've never eaten this much food in my life. Energy's high. Workouts are great. Recovery's great. I can handle a lot. Um, externally, the way I look is very different. You know, as I say it's very different. I'm still lean. You would probably think I'm still fit if you saw me here today, but like, I have no ab definition. Like my third, my shirts are like a true large. Now I've never been in a large in my life. Uh, a lot of things have looked good and I'm really proud of that progress as well from, uh, like a metabolic health standpoint. Honestly, I don't think anything's changed. I've always had really good blood work. I've always like known how to build my plates, how to get enough fiber, how to eat enough protein, where I get my protein sources from. Um, I'll eat like an asshole and binge eat sometimes for sure. You know, I have in the past, but it hasn't gotten to a point where I'm gaining a ton of weight because of it. Or when I do that, it's kind of like I'm in a good headspace around doing some of those things and I'm enjoying the time that I'm with, but I'm not someone who really drinks at all. Um, I can, uh, I'm kind of on this bender now where I'm like not going to drink for three to six months probably, but, um, I don't have much of a social life. I don't, uh, you know, I don't, you do, you do, you do. I know you're not, hold on, stop. You do, yeah. you're, you're, you do as somebody who actually doesn't have a social life. You do, um, yeah. you do a lot. You're not like a party animal, but like you, you yeah. really, um, you've, I've watched you go from not, not fucking drinking all the time and stuff, but I've watched you really have a lot of social events over the, this 18 month period and over longer than that with your, just a new mentality towards drinking and, and, find pleasure in doing so and really go from, I've, I've actually heard you go from complete abstinence back to some incorporation and just kind of bounce back and forth between those two, th two things. And I think you're in like a really good place with your relationship with alcohol, at least from the, what I see looking from the outside in. Um, and that is to say most of the time abstinence, but I don't know if you have closed that door categorically, but I just feel like what you've done, if, again, just from looking from the outside in, is just raise this threshold of of what merits having a drink. And, and instead of it being like, oh, I met with my friends and we had six beers, it's like I met with my friends and I either didn't drink because I just wanted, you know, I didn't have to because I'm shooting shit with my friends and that's fun enough or I had a beer or two beers or whatever, like finding a better relationship with it where that threshold for what requires or what lends itself to drinking just goes up a little bit. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Like I'm not an antisocial, don't do anything, but yeah, I definitely like to travel, have friends, have a good circle that I love to hang out with, but yeah, I'm very, I'm a very informed decision maker, something I want everyone to, to get to the point of. So yeah, it's been good. I'm excited to see what the blood work says, like you said, and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see if my hypothesis lines up, but that's, uh, for the future to decide. Nice. Cool, man. Tell people where they can they can find you. Oh, you are the most criminally underrated person on this social media. So please, please, please go give Luke a follow. It just absolutely kills me, cracks me up 24-7. Just criminally under. Dude, if you had come onto social media like one year earlier, you'd have 100,000 followers easily, easily, easily. So it's <laughs> like a crime of just getting, just being late to the to the table here. But um, yeah, tell people where they can find you. Let's, uh, let's get some people over in that direction. Sure. I don't know about that. I think humor has been the route that I've chosen a little bit more of mixing of both uh, education, humor, but that's the thing that keeps me showing up to Instagram nowadays. But Luke Smith RD is where you can find me. I have a website. You can find all my podcasts, everything else that I have there. But um, yeah, just find me on Instagram and you can, you can find everything else from there. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.